Hi and welcome to a new episode of the Glenvor podcast with your host uh, Jason and in this particular episode we are going to take a look at a newspaper article which you know when we're dealing with the 1980s our newspaper articles I suppose the only herald bad news let's be honest when it comes to distilleries so it's no surprise that uh, the Aberdeen Evening Express on the 19th of September 1980 reported the news that uh, DCL or Scottish Malt Distillers their subsidiary uh, announced that the maltings were to close at uh, Glenvor Distillery and Glenalbin Distillery which effectively spelt the end of uh, in-house malting uh, at both sites, which in Glenvor's case went back to the mid-1890s, and Glenalbin went back even further, uh, probably to the... Mm, we don't know much about Glenalbin, the original um, version of Glenalbin, which existed in the 1840s, although I do have a, a wonderful discovery about that and a, a tale to tell, but um, we'll come to that another time. That probably did its own floor molting in the 1840s. So a real end of history. And um, there is a quote on our quote page, funnily enough, um, from Alan Winchester, who says he remembers the smell of the maltings when you pass through that side of Inverness. Quite a distinctive smell of uh, the work being done. And um, this article in 1980 confirmed the end of it. Now, of course, both... Distillies had moved to Saladin boxes, uh, Glenvor being the first in Scotland outside of a grain distillery, so it was the first malt distillery to do so in 1949. Sorry, you can imagine my head is full of dates and figures. Sometimes they get muddled, but uh, I try my best. Yes, yeah, so a very sad tale, but in a way, not really unexpected. You know, this was... The period of overproduction coming home to roost. This was it now. Um, demand for scotch was falling and in doing so there was a bit of a whiskey lake appearing now uh, or should I say loch. Uh, today's whiskey loch uh, is not in warehouses. It's actually in people's cupboards and attics and bunkers or wherever they store their retirement fund or investment portfolio. Very different. Um, so yes, it was coming to an end, and it, yeah, effectively, malt would be bust in, uh, or truckloaded in, let's be fair, um, to both sites, which would have placed a greater emphasis of traffic, but certainly in Glenvor's case, it was moving to part-time working anyway, so the demands of Glenvor would not have been as extreme as in previous years. And as you, if you are a regular reader and listener, you know that Glenvor's malting floors and even the Saladin boxes, I think, uh, but certainly the malting floors were never big enough to satisfy demand for production. Um, that was always the, the kink in the production chain, the one that held things up. But one of the main reasons, obviously, was efficiency. Uh, I'm guessing, and it's probably an educated guess, but... Um, Probably the maltings at Glenord, which were the main ones and always have been for um, DCL, SMD, or Diageo as we know it today. Um, you know, Glenord's very much in farming country, so it's perfectly established and it's more a rural site than a uh, an urban site. So there's potential there to expand and you know, production, etc. When it comes to uh, grain production, 
so this was the end. Uh, and apart from the efficiencies and you know, truck loading stuff in, it's the staff. Uh, the story confirms the loss of 14 jobs uh, at two of their mall tanks. Now, I know from an article where we just published about um, in the 1950s, um, Glenvor and Glenalbin employed a total of 26 men or women. I think it was mostly men. So effectively, they're cutting the workforce across both distilleries in half, which is quite substantial. Although they say some are see offered alternative employment, or perhaps some were taking um, early retirement. I suppose it's a mixed blessing for some. I, th I, th I think a lot of workers, probably when uh, McKinley and Burnley sold up, probably saw the writing on the wall given Mc McKinley's, uh, particularly Burnley's. Uh, long-held view that um, you know things problems were coming because of overproduction and he was proven right by history but they must have seen the writing on the wall um, yeah. and I suppose if you took temporary employment somewhere else maybe they moved you to Melbourne perhaps which stayed open a little longer but history's shown you're probably just delaying the inevitable um, and maybe for some of the men it was time to hang up there whiskey careers do something else or you know retire totally but um, the interesting one of the interesting things I take out of the article is the fact that they're talking about 14 jobs now uh, these would have been 14 jobs who operated salad in boxes almost 24 7 um, so you're probably I would probably say Thinking about this, um, probably maybe four or five at Glen Vor, and the remainder at Glenobin because Glenobin had the bigger molting floors and salad and boxes. I think that's fair, um, but effectively cutting the workforce in half would have been a big saving. Um, and uh, John Burney's article uh, from the fifties said, as I mentioned, twenty-six people were employed across both distilleries. Now. What that makes even more interesting is we do have a document on the website when they were um, debating the salad in box implementation, which tells us that they would have effectively had to hire a whole new team to do the new malting floor they'd spoken about. So certainly we're probably when um, Bernie in the 50s was talking about current workforce with salad in boxes at Glenvor, pre salad and boxes the number of men on the site would have been I probably in the 40s maybe early 50s because they just needed that many men to turn them out and to keep things running so it's a shame but you know it's certainly as I said you know this is going to be one of the the regular stories and uh, one of the things at the moment as we're coming up to the the 40th anniversary of Glenvor's closure is to try and get as much of this material on um, because that was my original aim and although we've I've ticked the box of creating this wonderful resource there's I, I've still got all the, the distillery plans I still have another 30 years of logbook entries probably got another 20 30 newspaper related articles there's an awful lot and i know i still got to hit the the glasgow archives for the mckinley and burnley files so we could be talking glenvor for a long time to come 
so I apologise in advance if I'm going to bore the pants off you. But good work has been done, but there's plenty more to do. But I'm going to try and get as much of this up uh, in the intervening few months before the anniversaries. And that means in 2023, things might take a more relaxed pace. But I would hope, you know, next year for a lot of whiskey enthusiasts, not just Glenvor, but um, all the other distilleries we lost in 83, like Banff. People maybe look into them and take a moment to, if they can't drink these things, because obviously they're getting ridiculously expensive, they um, just dip their toes in whiskey history and see what's out there. Uh, And I think that would be a good thing. And to remember, because that's the one thing that comes across for me doing this research. You have the stories, yes, you have the whiskey, you have the stills, you have all this. But it's the people. When you get the names of the people and you see joining the company, getting married, living on site, dying on site. You know, we've had that on this project. Uh, Going so far as to identify one or two of their graves, you know, just brings everything full circle. And this week, uh, I had um, a relative of one of the malt men at Glenvor make contact via our Facebook group. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, others do this as well because we've got the breadcrumb trails out there online. But any information about Glenvor, however you think it's small or insignificant, please get in touch. If you know a relative, if you've got photos, I know they're out there. I would love to hear from you. But this particular person got in touch and it was her father who was one of the malt men. And I recognised the name. She told me the name and I went, yes, I actually have a photograph of your dad and it's uh, celebrating his retirement, a newspaper article. And she said, I'd love to see that. So I directed her to it. She went, yes, that's him. So I think it's that personal aspect, you know. I think in whiskey we can get far too enveloped and yeah, just consumed by figures, production, output, bottles, PPM, fermentation, all these things. We lose sight of the people, the people that make these things work, the people that put their heart and soul into the whiskey. So it's good to put a personal slant on things. Not just the name of the distillery. The name of the distillery counts for nothing if there's not people inside working hard to bring you your whiskey. And I think sometimes we lose that. Perhaps that's just a reflection of the modern age where, unfortunately, it might be one or two people behind a console, uh, you know, pushing buttons. Whereas most of this generation of uh, Glenvor, you know, it was the manual aspect, the dirt, the grime, the physical labor. We've maybe lost that to a certain degree. And if you visit Dallas Dew Distillery in Speyside, you'll appreciate the pulleys, the ropes, the chains, just how manual and intensive making whiskey was. Um, So I think there's more stories to be told and not just about Glenvor. And every new step brings something new and that's the wonderful thing about it. But um, sad to see the maltings close in this article and I'll link it in the story below. But unfortunately that's just a sign of the times, wasn't it? And... um, a loss of character and I think it's interesting now we're sort of seeing 
distilleries where they can appraise the maltings. A lot of them still have them closed off Glengarry. It's bringing back its maltings. Brookladdy wants to do its floor maltings because it brings so much character, I think, to the whiskey. Um, it's exciting that they are going to be doing that. So once again, thank you for listening. And I shall see you on our next episode.